Please listen carefully. Let's get it started. I got ice cream to eat and Catholic priests to watch. What's up, sisters? Welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister, the podcast you hate to love, love to hate, something like that. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. And today's episode, which we dedicate very much to the host, Stephanie, uh, (laughs) put this down for her, but also because we all love it a little bit. We are going to be talking about enemies to lovers. And where normally I'd say we do like a little chatter right at the beginning, I think we should go right into, Steph, what do you love about enemies to lovers so much? Because it is, you've said before, like your favorite trope, right? It is. Um, What do I love about it? I mean, I love when people hate each other. No, that's (laughs) not true. The thing I like about enemies to lovers is that the banter is always excellent because they're constantly sniping at each other, which is, you know, their foreplay. But that is what is great. And then I should say, when enemies to lovers is not done well, you can't have, this is my personal opinion, you can't have enemies that are, like, secretly loving each other the whole time. One of them has to hate the other person and not even consider them as a love interest. Like, that has to be the standard. And you can't, I'm, try, I'm thinking of all the shitty ones I've read, and then none of them are coming to mind, because I probably didn't finish reading them. But that's personally what I like about enemies to lovers. What do you two like about enemies to lovers? I mean, yeah, I think I agree. I think it's a little bit spicier. It can be fun. I think there's a a dangerous line that you have to not cross at some point, which is like, you know, it's fun to toe the line. But as soon as you become, I don't know, like very offensive or a dick, there's no coming back from it. So, yeah, like it's, it's hard because I do love enemies to lovers in that like there's always like this push and pull. And it's not just like... It's not just like the spicy banter. It's also like the push and pull of power, I find. Power dynamics in a relationship is part of that, I feel. Um, And it's just interesting to see that. But again, there is a line. (laughs) I The line thing is so true. Because where I often... soul-searching moment the last couple of months about enemies to lovers in realizing, (laughs) Steph, you've recommended so many books with this trope. And typically it's a trope that I would say like... I, yes, it's your favorite. Um, but typically with this trope, I would say like, I would have, I say I like it. I When it's well done, I love it. I love, because I love people that can go in on each other. Like I love banter. Lucy Parker, almost mm-hmm. every single one mm-hmm. of her books yeah. is like an enemies to lover situation. So I really like that. But I've been struggling lately because I've been picking up a lot of these that are in that trope and they haven't been doing it for me. And I think where I have that line is I end up realizing like I am much less forgiving than the author because sometimes they say things and I'm like, "Mm -mm, you can't come back from that. I we talked about how I would bring this up. Never have I ever. I think Mm -hmm. if you make a couple of adjustments, Never Have I Ever is a great enemies to lovers because they're both people with like very similar principles and very similar goals and their enemiesness comes from the fact they're in competition with each other. But I, you can see that there would be like a respect for the way that they both do what they do. But then you have at one point, this man called her unfuckable. And at one point she said that he wished he had been killed by the Nazis. And so how do you make out with that person? Four episodes later. That, to me, is over the line. Yeah. 
Well, you have to be mean. Like, one of them has to be mean. And if it's done well, both of them are mean to each other. But I I guess I should go into my pick. Because on the whole, I I don't recommend this book to people. (laughs) Just because, like, the author herself, Sherry Thomas, has said that this is her worst book she's ever written. Like, (laughs) she has said that on Twitter. She's like, this is the most painful book I've ever written. It's not my favorite. And it's uh, Tempting the Bride. So it's the third book in, like, a trilogy. Um, And it's... it's, Tempting the Bride. Tempting the Bride. Tempting the Bride is exactly the kind of romance novel name I expect. Yeah. Okay, so... That and Devil in Disguise. (laughs) So it's between Helena and David. And David has been in love with her. So she is his best friend's younger sister. So when he came and visited their, like, manor house when they were, like, 13, and he was, like, immediately into her. But what does a boy do, as we've been told, when they like someone? He's awful to her. And that was the foundation of it. But, and, like, I realize that's problematic. (laughs) Everything I'm about to say this going forward is problematic. So whatever. we So we flash forward to like they're, I think she's 25. He's probably 28 at this point. He is like in love with her. Like he is in love with her. She does not care for him at all. And we have that great spicy banter that we talked about. They're always snipping at each other. He makes fun of her. She makes fun of him. And like on that level, I'd say their insults are equal in that um, they're both equally mean to each other. And it's delicious in my personal <laughs> in my personal opinion. And they generally hate each other. There's not like someone being like, oh, I don't know. You know when some, when a, a new celebrity isn't working, you don't get that vibe because you're like, oh no, I don't I don't see how these two could get together. So Helena is secretly she is in a adulterous relationship. What is the word? She's having an affair with a married man at a summer house. Oh, and she's he, the mistress. <laughs> Not him. He is, he's basically looking, her, her brother, so the family knows that she has this adulterous relationship going on. So the brother tells him to like, can you keep an eye on her? Just make sure she's not doing something that will ruin her reputation. So he sees her go into this guy's, this married man's bedroom for like three hours. Then she leaves and then he goes and follows her into a room like, what are you doing? (laughs) You shouldn't be doing this. All that jazz. And he's like, and she's in love with this. So she runs her own publishing company. Um, and the guy who's, she's having an affair with writes like boring nonfiction, like (laughs) textbooks. Hold on. I'm this, I'm spoiling this whole book and I don't care. Um, you told us not to read it. So spoil ahead. (laughs) So, so that happens. They have a fight, whatever. She's like, he's like, I'm going to tell your brother if you like, don't listen to me. And she's like, it won't happen again. Like blah, blah, blah. Um, so they keep sending letters to each other, her and this adulterous man, um keep sending letters to each other but he david the the potential love interest the enemy here um kind of gets the the behind the scenes of the plot because the wife is trying to catch the husband in this um <laughs> adulterous relationship i see you guys are like this is a long-winded story i'm getting there <laughs> so whatever so David basically saves her because they go meet in a hotel room and he's before the wife comes into the room they make out with each other because and then guess what this book also turns into a fake marriage of convenience oh my god so, of course your so, other favorite. oh i'm not done <laughs> no, no 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 i just want to do a quick pause before you keep going so yep. yes 
main characters. Yes. The main female lead is having an affair with an author. Yeah. The wi- author's wife is trying mm-hmm. to catch the husband having an affair. Yeah. So she's going to find them. But what she finds instead are the two main characters making out. Yeah, because he, okay. he runs and saves the day. So the wife wants to divorce this man because he's trash and boring, which she should. Um, also, sorry, what else? Okay, so this is not historical. No, it is. <laughs> okay. It's a historical. But she runs a publishing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good for her. Yeah. And she can get a, a publishing, running the publishing house and the divorce made me think it was not historical. But I assumed it was based on the title and that you love it you can you can do those things in a historical romance i mean probably you could do it in real life i mean did she did she pretend to be a man no no okay that's interesting and like david makes fun of her being like oh you're gonna whatever that's a whole other plot point to get to in a second so the the day before they were gonna leave to like live in his manor house because they got married so they got married they told their family and then she's going to go back to her like family her brother's house like talk through she gets in an accident a horse lit- basically steps on her head and then she Does gets she lose her amnesia <laughs> no no steph how fucking dare you bring this we do no how no how, add, how can you add fucking fake dating no. marriage fake marriage no. and then also amnesia no. this book is canceled <laughs> and then but then so then i'm thinking to myself i'm like okay yeah that was a cop-out because the only way the only way this is my question to you. The only way they're going to get together is she completely forgets everything he's ever done to her and for them to start fresh. And I'm like, does she ever get her memory back? She does. She gets her memory back. But at that point, but it's th- too but that point, so, in love with this problematic man who like, uh, whatever. Um, so he's, I don't think he's just, there's, um, how do I say? He just like wants to be loved. <laughs> And he, and you know, it's it's the stupid like boy thing. So yeah, she she gets no, amnesia. No, you didn't just say it's a stupid boy thing. Like there, no, there will not be boys. Will be boys on this. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm saying it's a stupid David thing. Okay, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. There's more. Go 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 ahead. There's more. Um. So he has like an illegitimate child. <laughs> that he keeps in his his manor house and that's like a big thing for her that she's like oh you just had this kid you were hidden all this time (laughs) but she doesn't even remember if the kid's hidden so she one question she's like do i have kids and they've only been married for a day and he's like yeah we got married Uh, there's so many plot points on this he writes an erotic novel about her because of his body I wish you and, could see our faces. I, and and her publishing house published a really successful children's novel series. Can you guess who the author of that series is? Is it him? Her? Yes. Oh. It's the guy. But does she not know that? She doesn't know that because it's under a female name. But she runs oh. the publishing house. They only talk through letters and like advances. <laughs> I just... And so at the end of the day, to her on multiple fronts. Yes, I don't. I can't. This is the book that came to mind. I'm like, I don't know why, but I enjoy it, and it's so, so bad. Like, it like it's so problematic. The author has told me that it's the worst thing she ever done because she had to get amnesia in order for her to like this man back. And I can't. I'm sorry. I feel like she could have just realized, like, he could have just told her, or she could have found out somehow, I'm the author that you've been talking to. And she oh, she, just he tells her. 
Like, he tells her eventually. Had, no, but you know what I'm saying? Instead of amnesia, the amnesia didn't need to happen. She could have just found out that he was this author, that she was like, oh, I low-key have feelings for this author. Maybe she was having some lesbian panic because she thought it was a woman. And then she <laughs> finds out it's him. And so she has to war with herself the way that she knows of him then and the way that she thinks of him as the author. What the fuck is this book? <laughs> but like... <laughs> I mean, isn't an element of this then like technically found family because she's probably going to adopt his kid when they get together yeah i don't consider yeah. that found yeah. family i feel like found family mm. is yeah because they're actual family they got married actually That's no because son because the brother and him are really close and he's like been like welcomed into the family so essentially it is also found family so it's a it's a lot of stuff crammed in together into one book <laughs> when you think about it and like at the end of the day i'm gonna just say when I read an enemies to lovers, I want the, the the banter that this book has. Everything else in it, though, I'm leaves me conflicted. As I've said, <laughs> it, it's a cop out when you have amnesia, but it also works because that was the only way she was gonna like stop thinking about him because she was stubborn. You know what I'm saying? Like I think there, I, I think there was easily another way, and it's the way I just described. I feel like the amnesia was an unnecessary plot point. I don't know. I don't I know. A, okay, what was the name of that book that you recommended for um, the series of, of romance uh, episodes we did called Christina Reads? <laughs> what was the name of that book? The Duke is something? Lord of... No. Lord of Scoundrels? Yeah. Lord of Scoundrels? Yeah. Something to that effect? I think we can have a conversation. You are too forgiving of men. Because <laughs> also in that one, you were like, he just needs to be loved. He grew up sad. And something but I he think needs to accept he needs to accept his yes. illegitimate son. You are so comfortable with these men and their illegitimate children and their shittiness. I mean, you can have illegitimate children. Like here's like the wild part of this. Like, it's not like there's historical books with men that are all like this. Like there's so many. There's so why these ones, Steph? I'm not saying I'm I never said this was my favorite. <laughs> But yeah, it's just, it's but just, there's so many enemies to it's lovers. It's a pattern. It's a pattern is what I would describe. But it, would this say, is the one that came to mind because it was so wild. And I was like, why? <laughs> why? I'm, this, is, this is like a reflection on me. I'm thinking about myself as I pick this trope. And like, why do I like it? Why do I pick this? And I'm like, I don't. I can't tell you. I, I If someone treated me like this in real life, I would say no. I wouldn't be into them. And you would never change my mind. But when I read something, I suspend my disbelief. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I want to make a note to the illegitimate child thing as well. It's not that the, you know, especially in historical ones, they can't have illegitimate children. It's the fact that they're all hiding them away somehow or not claiming them or barely paying their mothers who are prostitutes. There's just, I'm just saying like, again, it's a pattern and I think we need to keep an eye on it. No, but he's not, he, he loves his daughter a lot. Maybe that's why, like, he, he doesn't hide her away. She, it's like, they never say it obviously because, um, it's historical moments but it's like she has autism she doesn't talk she likes her pattern um so he visits her this is a child you're laughing at (laughs) i'm laughing at the way you describe that she has autism she likes her pattern there was like Like her pattern in her routine yeah yeah, you can't you can't stray from your routine i guess like if he's protecting her that's probably is he like someone of significance like would people pay attention to his illegitimate he's like an earl yeah they would care. okay so like he keeps her in he so, keeps her in her yeah. house he like raises her in her in his household he that whole book series started because she wanted a story so he like made it for her maybe his love of his daughter is what has redeemed him in my eyes i don't know 
put it like at the but i was like he still said shitty things and she still said shitty things to him too i don't know i if you guys want to read this give me give me and then you can like psychoanalyze my personal brain and we can move on <laughs> i feel already there i don't think i need to read another one of these to psychoanalyze your brain but i do agree with you that when the banter is good a lot of stuff can be made up for it's or not it's even true. made up for, it's easier to at least keep going when the banter is good. Because I mean, yeah, because dialogue not... you read really quickly and you're like, ooh, ooh, yeah, Lucy yeah. Parker has great fucking she does. banter. I, she makes very engaging characters. Like, I really like her series where I typically would probably not like pairings as much. I, I'm So I'm in the middle of reading Battle Royal, her no, newest book, and it feels so similar to the first book in her London Celebrity series, but I like them both. But the dynamics of the relationship are almost exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, she's great at enemies to lovers. I think that's like, I don't, like, that's her thing. Like, Maybe she's so good at me. the banter, yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day, so both Lucy Parker's, they both respect each other. Like, the main characters both respect yes. their jobs, yeah. their, like, ability. And in this one, she doesn't respect him until she finds out all the, like, secrets he's been keeping. So maybe is, I'm thinking but, it that way. <laughs> but also, truly, like, that's why she didn't need to get amnesia. Because she could start to respect him when she realizes right? who he is. The amnesia is I know. so unnecessary. <laughs> but it's wild. Like, it's like, she... Like, I feel bad for this author. Maybe she's like, there's no, I can't think of anything that's going to happen. Like, he was terrible as a child. She could have had him change over time. There wasn't, like, a need for him to be a shitty person later. Also this. This is what I love, because I think this is what we forget when we talk about books the way that we do. She wrote it. If you needed to, if you needed to write in amnesia to make up for all the things he did before, go back and change the things he did before. <laughs> but let me again say, she, the author herself, herself has said this is the worst book she's ever written. And you know I, what? You know, I appreciate her honesty because I read that I was like, oh my god, no, I like that one. <laughs> and then I went back and I'm like, oh wait, you did put amnesia. Wonder did need to be amnesia. She's right. <laughs> well, so yeah, the respect, the respect at the end of the day, they got at the end. Was Anisha needed for that respect? I don't know. People, anyone read this book? I will say Sherry Thomas has great historical romance that I think Nat's read. I don't think, I don't know if I've read enjoyed them. them. Yes. Um, they're okay. I think like the first one I read by her was like part of the Sherlock, like the Lady Sherlock series. Oh, I don't classify and those it, as. And it was just okay. <laughs> No, I, I think of these on a different level. Yeah, yeah I read just one like of historical her, fiction, right? Yeah, like yeah. I've read one of her other romances, but like I haven't, like I'm going to be honest here, as much as I would love to love her writing, mm-hmm. I just, it's not Joanna Shoup. <laughs> There's something it's about It's not jo- Joanna Shoup. Joanna Shoup, like, I love her so much. But like, I don't know what I'm also is. in love with Joanna Shoup because it's like New York and like no one writes about that. Right, I'm just, nobody like, writes about like that. historical New York. It's so fun. No, but do me a favor, really slam Sherry Thomas, uh, and then I'll tweet at her, and maybe she'll come on the show. Okay, no, I love Sherry no, Thomas. Sherry Thomas seems lovely. I would give my kidney for Sherry Thomas to write a historical romance again. I just like, she has stopped. So, like, Sherry Thomas, you're my number one. I love you. Doesn't so in the first this might have to get cut up, but in the first this is a, a theme in the first Sherlock. I'm pretty sure she's in love with a guy that's married as well. Yes, and I'm like, is that the love interest? And I'm and like, I, I'm, I like, don't care. I don't want it. Doesn't like, and it's just such a weird relationship. And I'm like, what? Okay, but I do love when you read enough of an author's stuff that you start to like notice, <laughs> like, and I, I don't know if this would be a kink in this moment, but like, you notice little like trends, Imagine little she's patterns in love with a married man. Is that what it is? 
Maybe, yeah, like, who knows? Like, Lucy Parker, we know, loves an enemy. Do you, is Lucy Parker married? She is married, I think. Do you think she married her enemy? I would really like to write the, I, the story like, behind I wanna, her. I want to know her story now. So, if anything, in conclusion to me, read Sherry Thomas, read this book, let me know, but then also read Lucy Parker. And Nat, what's your... <laughs> we spent too much time on amnesia, which maybe uh, some... Wait, does anyone have any amnesia in their pick? No. Uh, no. Okay. Well, that's just me then. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I was going to pick Cruel Prince, but then I was like... I nearly was like, should I pick Cruel Prince? And I was like, oh, Nat, calm down. <laughs> Why calm down? I just... I think it's been too long since I've read it. I don't I don't have a gauge whether it's actually good anymore. Uh, <laughs> people tell me it's problematic and I'm like, yeah, I can see I can that see was it around the time, That was around the time that when people read Sarah J. Mass, they read it because they thought it was good. So I do think that we collectively, everyone should really reconsider what they liked in that year. But again, the Holly Black enemies. <laughs> Sorry, the way you said that. I think collective you should rethink what you like. But, but like Sarah J. Mass, I read it because it's entertaining, not because I love it. Again, uh, I that's spent- not the way you described it when you tried to get me to read it. I just, I wanted you to be a part of the TikTok conversation, so when you're watching these TikToks, you will know what's going on. I'm hey, let me help you. This let me prior, help you. <laughs> this was prior to TikTok being a thing that we did at all. This would have been. We all also, it wasn't just me; still. it was Nat as well. <laughs> Don't I, did, I, no, I yes. did tell you to read. It yes. was both of you, and the selling point was not, "Oh, they're not good, but they're entertaining." The selling point was, "No, the these first are ones really bad. good books." The first one bad, and the second one. The first I'm one's pretty bad, sure. The I'm pretty sure my selling point was they have sex in the sky. <laughs> Just in one I think at some point you said that. And I do remember being told, no, no, no. After I started reading the first one, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I do remember being told, okay, but the first one is bad and the second one is pretty good and the third one is bad, but you do need to read all three. <laughs> anyway, not uh... enemy to lover. <laughs> all right. My enemies to lover to pick. I think this one... I mean, I don't know that this one's unconventional. I think it's just, like, not, like, a typical, like, romantic comedy type of situation or historical romance that you would expect for enemies to lovers. Um, But my pick is This Is How You Lose a Time War, which is a 2019 epistolary novel by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone. Um, Epistolary, I'm sure we talked about it before, is technically written in, like, letter format or, like, text or whatever. This one is specifically letters. That's because I was the one that asked, so I was like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) I think because, I think we've, like, I'm pretty sure picked epistolary novels before. I just, like, I or, like, you've read some, too, and, like, specifically. I've I've read this book, and I quite like it. And I think you were talking, I think it was, I don't think it was on the podcast. I think it was in person, in real life, where you were like, ah, yes, it's epistolary. And I was like, what, what does that mean? (laughs) I've never heard this word before. (laughs) Yeah, so epistolary, essentially, like, each chapter is, like, a letter from two different time-traveling agents, which is, like, the fun sci-fi part of this. Um, they're on opposing sides of the war between different empires, I guess. Like, it's mm. not not clear what the empires are from what I remember. Right? They never established that. Do they? No, it's just sort of a general, like... Yeah, it's just like a it's vibe. It's not even, like, good side, bad side. It's, like, red side, blue side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, exactly. So, like, the two agents are Agent Red and Agent Blue. Um, Agent Blue is written by Amal, and Agent Red is written by Max Gladstone. And you can, like, really tell that they're very separate characters. Um, 
but like this is like i know we had this conversation earlier about like when something has a queer vibe and this one is that queer like it is definitely a queer romance i absolutely because they're two women but like also the vibes of the writing is extremely queer like this is this is what i call good queer literary (laughs) like this is this is what I want to read. Um, it's exactly what you would expect for a queer romance. It's two killer women unraveling time, essentially, to both defeat the other side. But also, like, they're, like, whispering sweet nothings in, like, individual rings of a tree as, like, a romantic foreplay, like, poem to each other. Like, it's <laughs> beautifully written. And this is, like, a very, very short novel. Like, it's, like, it's a novel, but it's, like, it's too short. <laughs> I just looked at the cover, and I'm like, I what? Does it it's- match? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like, match what you just told me. It doesn't seem like it. Like the two birds, you're like, what? No. <laughs> what is this? And honestly, the whole time I was reading this book, I could not picture their faces. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked it that way. Like the whole, like the color, the color, like dichotomy there kind of added to that, I think. And I don't know. I just, I preferred it that way almost. Um, but like, it was just, it was a beautiful read. It like, it, the whole book gives you like, that like I was talking before it gives you those power dynamics I feel you feel that push and pull between the two there's obviously banter between the two the, like the actions that they take to unravel time to defeat each other is romantically done it's gorgeous like it goes from like what you would think is destructive and like vicious and goes into like that foreplay that you're like holy shit <laughs> and it's not like to the extent of like, I burned down a whole city to win this battle, but yes. in the smoking embers is my love letter to you. Right? It, like, like, if it's... you look at the smoke signals, you can read it. It's wild. This, like, and there's no sex in this book, but I was like overheating. Because <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Like, it's, it's good. Like, it's good. Like, it gives you like the power, like I said, the poetry. It gives you the everlasting love that you would expect. And, I don't know. It's just, I think for an enemies to lovers book, I think it's very hard to compare because this one feels so grand, but so small at the same time. You know what I mean? Like it gets so, like it's got like this like overarching story that you like don't know all the details of. And I kind of love that vagueness at the same time because then you don't focus on like, oh, this is what the worlds are like. These are what like, this is what happens in time. This is what the empires are like. You don't get distracted by that. You're focused on these two people these two people that absolutely fall in love with each other over time while they destroy time slash create at the same time because there is really like I don't know it's just like it's so fascinating and I love this book so much I think it's brilliant and I can't wait until it's a show which it's supposed to be it is yes I'm so intrigued by what a show would even look like because is it a show or a movie let me double check uh, who's who's it with? I could have sworn it was a show, but I could be wrong. But it's got to be a miniseries. I feel like, I feel like if you tried to make this a show that went on forever, it would not be good because very much to exactly your point, one of the things about it that's beautiful is that it is short. It's small. It's the middle miniseries? of this gigantic intergalactic war. Like I don't even know if you call it a world war, just based on the way the sci-fi works. In the middle of all this, it's really, truly just the story of these two people falling in love. And I think that's why the letter format works so well for this book, because it doesn't waste time on exposition. It doesn't waste time on, 
giving you details that would make you ask questions because it's not about it's not actually about the world no matter what's going on about them it's not about the world at all that is just the setting for their love story and so i think it works Mm -hmm. beautifully as a book gorgeous it is going to be apparently a tv show and i do like that amal said that their genders are not up for negotiation which i fucking love of course because (laughs) how could you you could not make this no no you could this is like this is like a more like almost a more poetic version of killing eve i find you know what i mean like it's got like those vibes yeah but it's less like i don't i almost toxic (laughs) yeah it's not it's not talks except for the part where you're like destroying worlds it's fine <laughs> is it netflix or is it like uh, it doesn't say yet oh. but um... i need to know it, it, change, it gives me it gives me um what's the word wow it's sunday <laughs> it's late it's, it is late. makes me it gives me judgment i make judgments on who bought it oh, who bought what it? they're gonna make it i mean i think to be fair, I do think I would say that you need like a Netflix or something to make this because I think you need someone who's going to drop it all at once. Yeah, I yeah. think this. I mean, you could do it week to week. I don't. Care I guess for it would be anymore. fine. But I this is this something is such for me a, I want to like. Binge. It's so hard to do this one week. But also, like, I just just FYI, this is epistolary as in like letters. However, these letters aren't like normal letters like the way you're reading these letters it's not like like the whole there was there was like a whole chapter where i didn't understand what i was reading i had to go back and reread it i was just like what (laughs) yeah like the the like the way they write these letters like it's just it's like things i wouldn't think of but like when you hear it you're like or when you read it i definitely listen to the audiobook but (laughs) If they're enemies, like how? they're literally working against each other. Yeah, how did they meet? Did you, they just know each other? They, does it start off as them being like, "I'm gonna kill your fucking bitch" or whatever, <laughs> like threats they, emailed or whatever, and then it I, turns into love? Yeah, I the way that I would describe what's probably going on, both of them are the equivalent rank in both of their armies and they're both the like ones responsible for doing a lot of certain kinds of work and i think the way that they start like writing each other quote unquote because again writing is definitely not what's happening is um almost as like a i'm impressed thing i think it's an element of like i hate you and i will continue to try to undo what you've done while also doing my own things but i have to say well done and there's this like i actually don't think they've ever met in person Mm -hmm. for the majority of the book until there's one moment where i think one of them is like i think we just passed each other essentially yeah um and again because there's a timeline travel a time travel there's an element of like where in what universe were you in like did i did i pass the you of right now or did i pass a you from right like that was like so Somebody described it as okay. Did you guys ever? My watch brain just exploded. <laughs> did you guys ever watch The Lake House with Keanu Reeves and yeah, Sandra yes. Bullock? So somebody literally described it as that, but obviously way better. Way better. <laughs> <laughs> like so much better. Like it's like it. It literally has like elements of The Lake House yeah. if you think about it in theory, but it's like so much more than that. Like it's just like it's yeah. Like it blows your mind when you're like reading it because like also I think they're both very like high-ranking officers too because they directly report to somebody that's like at the top and like they're like they'll talk about like those conversations slightly but not fully but you get the like i believe like even like somebody else that either had reviewed it or maybe like the authors were talking about it but they almost described them like they were goddesses 
in the kind of damage that they were doing to the world. You know what I mean? Like they had that kind of power that like if you lived in that world, you would see that as a god's destruction or a god's creation, which like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's it's an impressive short novel. I recommend it to everyone. You don't have to be queer to read it. <laughs> You don't have to be queer to read most things. (laughs) That's true. But you know, if you're queer, you will appreciate it more. (laughs) I added it to my library. Good. 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 And it's a very quick read. It's an afternoon, 100%. It's like four hours long, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty short. I believe I did the audio and then I read it as well. Oh. That one I just read, so I haven't done the audio for that one, but I imagine it would probably be a good audio book. Yeah, I I do think like doing the audio first was a mistake because the way they're writing the letters, you're like, what? (laughs) Yeah, there are. I'm glad I read it because there were times where I had to go back and be like, wait, what? In particular, the one where they describe the book as being written in the tree. And the idea is that in in order to do that, in order to do that, like the year by year woman would have had to come back every single year to write the next letter yes in the tree this is why to form a whole it's it's just so elaborate it's it's so beautiful because like they are destroying things but this one agent is creating as well (laughs) but poetic (laughs) so poetic but also i'm not gonna spoil it because i do not want to spoil this for anyone but the way that something is done at the end beautiful (laughs) beautiful just like the ending I'm making the okay, like, it's 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 gorgeous. It's that kind of ending where you put down the book and you just sit silently and you think about it for a little bit. You can't just put this book down and then go about your day. Like, you got to take a minute and really like, ooh, yeah, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Anyway, everyone read it. Christina, what's your pick? What's your enemies to love or pick? Yes. So as I was talking about a little bit at the beginning, I was struggling a bit because if you asked me, I would say I enjoy enemies to love her. And then as I was going through looking for examples of enemies to lovers, I was like, mm, none of my favorite couples from TV movies or books are enemies to lovers at all. And I actually started reading It Happened One Summer recently, which yeah, is kind of an enemies to lovers, but they're enemies for like two pages. It's not a lot. And I think it highlighted one of the things I don't really like about en- when enemies to lovers, when they hate each other, but they can't stop being attracted to each other. So like in It Happened One Summer, there's a moment where he's like, oh, this girl's so annoying, but her ass looks great in this like sequin romper that she's wearing. And the whole time I was like, I don't care what you think about her ass. You're being a dick for no reason. And I like more of a friend lovers in the sense of I like the idea that as you start to like someone more that's how you start to become attracted to them it is in the knowing them that makes them attractive it's not just that they're hot and so that led me to I think what my favorite enemies to lovers storyline is and that is Ben and Leslie from Parks and Rec and the benefit to picking this is that when we were talking favorite couple I was going to pick them and then I picked Rory Logan so that I could just yell for a bit about that <laughs> And now I can yell for Ben and Leslie. So, and I think, listen, Nat brought up an excellent point. Were they even enemies to lovers? But they are because there's a good chunk of episodes where in in Parks and Rec, the story is that like Leslie dedicated to her job. She loves the Parks Department more than anything else in the world. She loves government money and she loves having budget to do things for the community. 
Ben comes in with Rob Lowe, uh, and it's to a bankrupt Pawnee government. And he's there to slash everyone's budget, stop government spending until they, they're not bankrupt anymore and they're solvent. So that literally makes them enemies because 1000% in Leslie's mind, she fucking hates Ben the first couple of episodes. She cannot stand him because he is the exact opposite of what she wants and what she believes in. And that eneminess is real. Even though there's a certain amount of respect for each other, even pretty early on, because Ben respects Leslie's dedication, they actively are making each other's lives harder for what they're trying to do. I think it's like the second episode he's in, he opens a binder and he's talking to Leslie like, you're going to need to fire 40% of your staff. You're going to tell me that that doesn't make him Leslie's genuine enemy? Like, she hates him. But as time goes on and Leslie is forced to rethink the way that she wants to do things under the guise of not being able to spend money, she actually gets better at her job. And she gets she flourishes really in that season, that first season with Ben, because you see a version of Leslie that is dedicated and determined but not as annoying about it as she is with everything else, because she ends up finding ways to compromise to still get what she wants, but in a way that lets other things still happen. And Ben, whose job is literally like he makes jokes that he loves going in and slashing budgets. His whole dynamic with Rob Lowe is that Rob Lowe is like this happy, go lucky guy that tells everybody all the good news and that will say, oh, yeah, we'll find a way to do that. And then Ben gets to come up behind him and be like, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. Are you fucking kidding me? Fire a bunch of people like you cannot do that. So he loves that. But then through Leslie and her dedication and the way that she approaches things, he gets a newfound respect for like what is possible by actually building something new and not just tearing things down. And I love that they are two people that have the same principles and very similar goals and attack things in a very similar way. The thing that made them enemies was that they had warring endpoints, but them warring with each other and fighting with each other made them both better It made them respect each other. And as they saw those parts of each other, that's why they started to fall in love. And like, you don't really get an inkling of Leslie thinking Ben is attractive until after they've started working on projects together. And all of a sudden, like Leslie's best friend is like, you've been spending a lot of like time with him. What's going on? And she's like, I'm not into him or his tight little body is always so (laughs) gross when they talked about each other, but it was hilarious. And it just, (laughs) they just had such a solid relationship. And every time that they had to work again against each other, even while they were in a relationship, their foundation was so strong that they could do that. They could be enemies while they were in a relationship working against each other. And that also, like, that made them literally the best of friends and, like, the most healthy relationship ever. They supported each other. They competed when they needed to and they stepped back when they when they wanted to as well. Like, they let each other flourish. And then the banter, for me, stayed even while they were together. Like, even, like... like- they're very wholesome enemies to yes. lovers. Like in the in like yes. the sense like even when they were like technically enemies, Leslie like grudgingly respected him in like this like like it was like a very cute way. Like I think I feel like I'm remembering like the Halloween party episode 
where like she sees him in his like nerdy little costume and she's like yeah okay (laughs) yes so at that point during the halloween episode i believe is when they're trying to um i think that's when they're trying to like they they know that they both have feelings for each other but they can't be together because he's her boss and also what I love about that, too, is that what ends up happening is when they realize, like, OK, this is problematic and it's going to be like a negative thing. We can't do this. They, like, go through the steps to be like, OK, you no longer report into me. We have officially claimed this. And then when it looks like it's going to be bad for her career, that this happened um, and she might lose her job. Ben quits because he's like, you care about this more than I do. And he quits so that she can keep her job. But then they support each other and he becomes her campaign manager. And I love them both so much. And it (laughs) is. You're right that it's a very wholesome enemies to lovers. And I think that's why I can like it as well. Neither of them, for me, go do anything unredeemable. Whereas there are other enemies to relationships that I like, but I can't get over what they did when they were enemies. In this one, when they were enemies, you know, they were just acted crazy. <laughs> Leslie acted absurd. It's like grumpy sunshine, isn't it? You, eh, not really. I think a grumpy sunshine would be more if like Ron and Leslie got together or something. Yeah. Ben is grumpy for all of two episodes before you realize he's an absolute fucking nerd. Yeah. And and once that comes out, and then it's lonely. it's he then just, it's just wants a, to be less stuff. Like, <laughs> I like it him. Starts, okay, <laughs> it starts off as like sad sunshine, and then it becomes nerd sunshine. But they're both nerds. Yeah. They're I both very them. nerdy. Yeah, and he's just yeah. like I. Th- I honestly think it's like an Adam Scott vibe. Like uh, yes. there's something about Adam Scott that's very like. Oh, <laughs> I feel often that I'm like, why do I find you even kind of attractive? Because I wouldn't right. say objectively that he is, but I love him in many of his roles, but especially as Ben. But again, he had such a respect for Le- Leslie, like couple goals for me is the joint respect that they had for each other. And then even the fact that they were regularly competing for the same opportunities in their career, in their lifetime, they found moments where it made sense to compete. And they found moments where I know when to step back because I want this for you and I don't feel like I'm giving anything up. And it was just, that lasted from like the third season all the way to the very end, to the last episode of the last season. I loved it all, guys. That's really special because usually they try to break couples up for drama. And they, they didn't. They did this one well. They tried a little bit with the, again, the whole thing where it's like, oh, he's her boss and it could be a scandal. Mm-hmm. But I, that, even that lasted all of like six episodes. I, I love when a show doesn't want to stress me out. You know what I yes. mean? Like, I feel like Girl, right now yes. for me, Ted Lasso is that because it's not trying to fully stress me did out. Did you watch the newest episode? I didn't watch the newest episode yet. Well, get back to me. <laughs> We'll talk about it next week in our spoiler alert review of Ted Lasso episode, where I have to catch up on all three seasons because I somehow have just not had the chance two. recently to it's catch up. It's only two. Two seasons. Oh, two. I don't know why I said three. I will, um, I need to clarify. I recommended it happen one summer to you for the bu- the brief butt stuff that happened. Happened in like one, maybe two scenes. Like that was why. Just like so we're her clear. butt or his butt? His butt. I assume his because she knows oh. me. <laughs> also, so based pet? on the con, uh, mm, mm, I'm. Uh, <laughs> oh, which, it's just which, like a pinky. Which, 
I was about to say, what just <laughs> happened there is that Steph just put a finger up. I'm saying it's a finger. It's not. Okay, but that's not like. I know, but it was, it was very, it's very hard <laughs> to think of a romance novel that has pegging in it. I think there's like one I've heard of. Because what, so, so for background, the reason was I had read, I think it was, I was in the middle of reading some Elisa Cole or Alyssa Cole uh, romances, and I love her writing. I think she's a great writer. I think she's a great romance author, but I was getting kind of frustrated because the dynamics for the relationships all felt kind of the same. So I was specifically looking for a book that had a woman that was in a bit more of a dominant position, particularly in sexual relationships, because I I do find a lot of times in books, even very dominant women with personalities, there's kind of that standard trend where once they start having sex, it's like, oh, and he pulled my hair and threw me around. And I was like, is there just anything different? And so we went through a whole list of books. And so Steph recommended It Happened One Summer. And I will say, I picked up this book because the description was inspired. It said openly, it's inspired by Schitt's Creek. It was Alexis and Mutt from Schitt's Creek. And that sold me. I was like, I love Schitt's Creek. I love that relationship. The fact that Steph recommended it when I was specifically looking for that thing, I was here for it. I'm not going to say it's a bad book at all. I'm not even saying that that's the issue with it. I can't judge it. I have to stop reading because me and the author fundamentally disagree about what made the Alexis Mott relationship a good relationship to watch. And so this book for me, knowing that it was based on Schitt's Creek made me annoyed because it felt so much like a regular standard relationship, kind of like alpha male trope where you know she was not a wilting flower by any means but i fucking hated that guy in it immediately and i was like i don't want to read him being redeemed let me go pick up something else and so i read a couple other things and now i'm on the lucy parker because i know she'll always do me right lucy parker will do you right she knows what works she knows what we want and to be fair it's the banter if the banter is a plus i'm there the banter for me my personal taste it wasn't quite there in the beginning of it happened one summer so i was like i gotta stop let's go to something else and then i picked up the grace year and that fucking sucked it was a whole thing this weekend's been a mess after the romance books that i currently have uh on loan from the library um i'm gonna probably do a little bit of a pause on the romance for a bit because it's just i as it's a good genre but i just can't i you really for me you really start to realize how similar they all are when you binge a bunch all in a row this is where i get torn and this is just like a general commentary i 100 percent understand i think I've said, I've said this before i understand the defensiveness of like the larger broader romance community because i stand with you when 95 percent of the people that criticize romance are criticizing it because it's not doing it from a place of goodwill or understanding or liking the genre it's just shitting on things that women like but sometimes I need the romance community to take just a little bit of criticism from inside because some of these books, you read them together, it's not just because of the tropes. Some of them are just, those power, the relationship dynamics are all very, very similar after a little while. So I got to go hunting around. The benefit is reading romance written by non-white women because that's where you start to get the more interesting relationship dynamics and the historical context a little bit different. The backgrounds are a little bit different. I finally got to Act Your Age, Eve Brown. And that one was, again, I still prefer Danny I Brown. knew you would prefer the other one because of the soft boy, but fucking I Eve Brown. I, I love Eve Brown more. I thought more. that was a good one. I think That's it's an enemies one, to lovers, too. But, but yeah. it, it's enemies for like a few chapters, and then it's... I mean, yeah. it's like a misunderstanding enemies to lovers. She with his car. With her car, I should say. That one had a little bit of that, like, 
they didn't like each other, but they were so attracted to each other immediately thing that I was not like in love with it. It kind of reminded me of some of the books in the Alyssa Cole Reluctant Royal series of just like the way that they sort of interacted. But for me, Tali Hebert, her her fucking dialogue is so good that I could hate everything about a book. I'd still read all of it because she writes in her characters feel so real and the way that they talk feels genuine but danny brown is still my favorite it's a friends to lovers well you finished i love e. brown, their relationship right? yeah you finished all okay the fucking purple dildo scene i <laughs> that was scre- i physically screamed part. i screamed out loud like and this is like i was still living at home at the time by the way and my mom was like <laughs> what the fuck is happening and i was like i don't i can't explain <laughs> yeah how do you i okay my <sighs> Her, that playlist, though, that she mentions, also excellent. Every oh, yeah. song she talked about, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I downloaded that playlist. It's good. And yeah. there's, it's on Spotify. Um, Okay, cut this out. Keep this in. Whatever. But when he, what I really appreciated was that he gave the dildo a little blowjob before he put it in her. I was like, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good. <laughs> I was like, excellent work. I like that. Good. <laughs> good job. Yeah. I'm at yeah. the point but, that all these sex scenes blur together. My, like, I couldn't. But I do remember this one. This one sticks out. This I didn't remember that he licked it, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll remember that. Because when he did, I was like, good job. <laughs> I literally <laughs> I literally liked him more after that. I just... And again, it's similar to Leslie and Ben. I love a soft boy. I like when people go against what seems like typical gender norms. And I like when the man is very emotionally available and very honest and open. And I love when a woman is just like doing her shit and living her best life. Like I have I something to break like, it to you. I like it. That that dynamic is not the first book that I talked about. It's yeah, fun. but I'm still not going to read it because I need more I'm than not just saying that you dynamic. should, but like that's the dynamic. She's like a businesswoman. She takes no shit, but he's like an artist and loves his children, which men didn't, men didn't take an interest in at that time, blah, blah, blah. But he also lied to her <laughs> after she got kicked in the head by a horse. I mean, technically he didn't. Did he lie? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think, of, I think she, omission is a lie. He, he, that is that is correct. What, he, they did get married. Yeah, <laughs> quite quickly. I'm not defending this anymore. Historical, you guys need to, historical romance. No. I understand that, like, it's a key factor of historical romance that they get married super quickly, but that's also not something I'm very much about either. That's not so it's actually, just that's not always I, the no. case. My, like, my preference, like, I'm sure I've talked about that. My preference is usually, like, widows, mm-hmm. whores, and what was my other one? Whore, widow, or whore. Courtesans, yeah. Like, I like a, like, I like those stories. Like, I don't, this is, like, my problem with historical romances. I don't want to read about a virgin. I don't care. Same. I don't like when they're obsessed with it. I don't like when men are like, ooh, I should be careful because she's a virgin. Fuck off. I don't like the power dynamics in a book. In real life, it happens whatever it's life. I don't like the power dynamics in a book when one person has all the information about sex and one person has none. Yeah. And like, I mean, like, it's, it's not even like that part. Like, I mean, that is obviously an issue. That's a very obvious issue. But like, my issue is when it's like yeah like how they view it it's disgusting to me like i actually find it like i i get nauseous reading about it like i don't want to read that sex scene after they've had sex the first time then i'm fine i'm like okay now i can read it but the first time if they haven't had sex before i'm like 
I feel I don't like it the whole way through because I always have a thing in my mind that like she only knows sex from you. Like, how are you ever going to have the power to really explore what you want when your entire sexual history is not just with a single person? That's fine. But it's the fact that it's defined by a single person. Because it's not like you had sex ed. So um, how do you feel? I have two points, but we're going to skip one. I was like, how do you feel about a virgin who goes out of her way to lose it with someone else, with someone she doesn't plan to marry? So she will go to like a club uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think okay. that's fine. Th- that's another aspect of those. Yeah, like those ones, the, 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 like the power is in her hands then because yes. she's physically doing. Because here's the thing. Virginity actually doesn't mean anything. That's a societal concept. So the it's fact that she's taking the initiative and going out and being like, all right, I'm going to find out what sex is about. That is her educating herself. That is totally fine. But it's when a man comes in and is like, oh, she's never, my dick is too big for this, this soft, downy, whatever. <laughs> like, that's when I'm like, disgusting. <laughs> oh. I, yeah, it's so, ugh. I like we really, I, I feel like we need a deep dive historical romance one day. <laughs> I mean, we, we can. I, I'm i fascinated by list. historical romance. I think it's like, here's the thing. I know there's some great gems out there. Joanna Shoup is one of them. Yeah. Um, I found like what was like the Sarah McLean, uh, Lisa Claypus, <laughs> Lisa Lisa Claypus. I do love. I do like she doesn't do like the whole virginal thing, even though some of them are definitely virgins. <laughs> oh yeah, but she doesn't talk about it, which I appreciate. She That's does a fine. lot of widows and like my favorite for historical romance is gonna always be queer. Because I think, one, you lose a lot of the, like, power dynamic stuff that comes from straight historical romance ones. But I also love the idea that, like, I'm so into you, it's worth the risk. You know? It's not just, like, like normally it starts off with, like, a fling because they're trying to hide the fact that they're boning. But then it's like, oh, I'm going to move you into my house. <laughs> and we're just going to be two confirmed bachelors and no one's going to ask questions. That's a classic of the Cat Sebastian romance books. every time we get to the end i'm like who wouldn't know who wouldn't know what's going on here all right we gotta wrap this up we gotta wrap it up (laughs) so that's our little enemies to lovers slash a bunch of other books and things uh, depending on what made it in if only enemies to lovers made it in and not scrapped the rest of that end part when she was editing don't worry about it it was probably because it wasn't funny Thanks so much for listening. Uh, We will catch you next week with our Ted Lasso review of all two seasons. Um, And that's it. You can catch us on Twitter and on Instagram at EatsCast or on Pinterest at Everyone and Their Sister Pod. Uh, If you have any episode ideas or in particular, if you have enemies to lovers things that you like, you should recommend it there. I was I would say so that Steph could see them and then she could have new things to read. But let's be honest, because of who, who our audience is, she probably recommended them to you in the first place. <laughs> so I think what you should do is you should tweet them at us and then we'll send a direct message to Steph because she doesn't look at the Twitter. Ask her for her rating of that book. And then I will go in and reply with that because she certainly is not going to actually, actually write a tweet. If you email us, Steph does read the email. I do I've read noticed. the email. <laughs> you learn that because she reads the email because she's hoping that someone is trying to send us free jewelry to sponsor us. <laughs> uh, I want someone to send us an email and then I get excited and I'll write them back. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Somebody send us an email then. Our email address is everyone and their sister at gmail.com. You can email Steph there. That's the only way to get in contact with if her. If you want a book recommendation, tell me three of your favorite books and the trope you want and I will give you an email back. 
with my recommendations. Also, if anybody has any recommendations that would be unconventional enemies to lovers or, you know, like a surprising queer vibe read. What would break me out of my shell of romance only? That's another thing Um, I'm willing to take. mm -hmm. I do think with Steph, the stepping stone is a good romance in a non-romance book. Like this is how we lose the time war. Yeah, it's ready to go. All right. That's everything from us. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 <laughs> what a mess. Did you see her nip? A little bit. Oh, wow. We said hi. <laughs> but when. It's like I didn't get to see it. I didn't see anything. <laughs>